Rob Bro. He's your sports bro at KKAM.com and the Talk 1340 app. You guys are not doing any pass blocking. You're just stepping aside and letting them walk in. Pop, 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 pop. That's what I want. All of you around that boat. What's wrong with y'all? Don't play like some little girls. Y'all like y'all never played football before. Because of nothing. You hear me? They bleed just like we do. Yes, sir. They sweat just like we do. Do you hear me? They went through two days. We went through two days in 110 degree heat. Yes, sir. I want you to hit everything to move. If the ref gets in your way, you hit him. Okay, then. Let's play. But that's cheating us, too. That gives us, too. This is our team. This is us. Let's go right now. Let's get it off now. Let's go. Show. I am the host, you are the co-host. You can join in, 806-855-3712. That text line again, 806-855-3712. And again, I am the host, you are the co-host. Please join me. It was a great show yesterday. Lots of interaction on an overreaction Monday. Lots of overreactions from that weekend, certainly. Today, we discuss, can Patrick Mahomes win a Super Bowl on one leg? We give a shining endorsement for... Kellen Moore to be a head coach anywhere else. And we talk Mike McCarthy. Uh, people on and on talking about Mike McCarthy getting fired. We finally have a player or two defending him. J. Ron Curse, of all people, stepping up for the head coach, Mike McCarthy. Didn't really step up. He just kind of sent a Russell Westbrook gif of being confused in a postgame presser. But I'm assuming, I'm reading into, I'm inferring that J. Ron Curse likes Mike McCarthy. Now, if players are defending him on Twitter, okay, maybe I can get a little more on board. But if Dak's not defending him, if Zeke's not saying, I want to be a cowboy for Mike McCarthy and no one else, which some people would enjoy that too, if we don't see like a Zach Martin or a Tyron Smith or somebody with a little cachet beyond Jaron Curse, Mike uh, Parsons, like somebody needs to say it, and then I'll get on board. Because if the players want to play for Mike McCarthy, why don't they? Why are you not... At the end of a game, why is there no urgency at the end of a game while Mike McCarthy's over there with a dumb look on his face? Well, let's talk about Eli Apple, who is tweeting like he's already won a Super Bowl. Uh, were the Bills the Bengals Super Bowl, and are they overlooking the Kansas City Chiefs, my column today? Uh, it looks like it, feels like it. And the Bengals, led by the cockiest quarterback in the NFL, might be eating the cheese, which is a good spot for the Kansas City Chiefs. I also love that the Kansas City Chiefs are falling to, uh, in some far-off places, a two-and-a-half-point dog for the AFC Championship game. That looks good today, 
too. So we'll talk about it all. We can also get into Texas State basketball a little bit. They don't play tonight. They play tomorrow night. And we'll have a true Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday week for you, uh, which in my opinion is the ideal week in some ways. Eventually we'll get a big Monday and, and play a Monday game and then have a Saturday, Monday, and then get some breathing room. But this week we'll have a true Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, and it could get ugly. And I know it's already a little bit ugly out there in the Twitter sphere or on the message boards where people are giving away their real names and talking about things on the message boards, but I will say this. Somebody asked on the YouTube live stream for the Gambling Gauchos on Sunday night, does it get worse at 0-8? If you lose to West Virginia, does the pressure go up for Mark Adams? At a certain point, ladies and gentlemen, the pressure is just the pressure. 0-5, 0-6, 0-7, 0-8, 0-9, 0-10. Like eventually, the pressure is just the pressure. I don't know where that point is. To me, it should have already happened. You should have already reached a fever pitch, a boiling point, whatever you want to call it inside that locker room of urgency. But we've not seen that urgency spill out into a late second half comeback. You've not played to have a must win yet. You did against Kansas and you couldn't pull it out. Maybe that was just, well, couldn't do it. We're not going to. You certainly have another opportunity tomorrow against West Virginia as they come into Lubbock eventually. I, I don't know if they're already here or not. Uh, I heard they were coming, and then somebody was sharing uh, flight logs in the <laughs> in the group chat, and I, I don't know how to read those. I've, In fact, I've never been on an airplane, so uh, I, I'm not the guy to talk to about uh, flight tracking. We can also talk about anything you want to talk about today on The Rob Bro Show. Again, you can text in 806-855-3712. I want to finish the conversation we were having uh, with Ryan Hyatt on the Raiderland. Raiderland, obviously, 11-1 every weekday right here on KKM and ESPN 960. Of course, The Rob Bro Show just here in Lubbock nationwide on the app. You can download the app. Talk 1340. Google it or just look it up on your app store. So if you're thinking about Zeke Elliott and Zeke Elliott saying publicly, hey, I'll take a pay cut to stay in Dallas. Obviously, that means to me there are conversations about him not staying in Dallas. Now, I don't know if those conversations are internal or he's just feeling the pressure publicly from fans on Twitter or pundits, national talking heads, whatever it is. He's obviously heard enough that he needs to publicly say, I want to be a Dallas Cowboy. Now, is that his agent telling him to say that? Is his agent calling Zeke Elliott saying, what are you doing? Why would you say that? After Zeke Elliott comes out and, and offers to take a pay cut, I don't know. But to me, please. I mean, that would alleviate a lot of your problems moving forward especially in the next two seasons. Because again, 
the NFL window is not a five-year window. You're not building for five years from now, especially if you're the Dallas Cowboys, especially if your owner is 89 years old or 107, whatever Jerry Jones is. I think he might have just turned 80. And especially if you're in a position with a quarterback and a wide receiver and a defensive player of the year where you feel like you have some talent, if you add five or six more great pieces, you can be in the Super Bowl. Now, I talked about it yesterday. The Cowboys have a top 10 roster, but the distance from 1 to 32 is probably equidistant for the Cowboys. They're... They're as far from being the Kansas City Chiefs as they are from being the worst team in the league. There's a gap. There's a gap between the top five teams and the 10th best team, and there's a gap between the 10th best team and the 32nd best team. And I think the 32nd best team is as close to the 10th best team as the 10th best team is to the best team. I don't know if any of that made sense, but it makes sense in my warped mind. And I think the Cowboys are about 10, talent-wise, if not 8, if not even upwards closer to 6. But obviously that is not good enough. Now, if you have, if you have a, an offseason like the Rams did and you truly go all in, and you go and buy an ace receiver, but let's say you go, uh, uh, Vegas has some shopper's remorse and wants to get back and try to rebuild, and and they can't get Aaron Rodgers, so they trade off Devontae Adams, and he's just one year there, and, and you go get him. Or the Cardinals are trying to trade off DeAndre Hopkins to rebuild. Can you go get him? Let's say you go get one of those wide receivers, and then you finally overpay for a safety, and then you draft a couple of guys if you have any draft picks left, and you sell off the future, and you mortgage, and you extend Dak. Listen, just listen. And you extend Dak to make his contract more manageable. You give him the same money, but just say, hey, we need to realign for two years. I don't know that he will. Certainly, it seems like Zeke Elliott will if you extend Zeke Elliott and then give him the same amount of money over the certain amount of years and make it guaranteed and backload it so you can afford some free agents this offseason and you truly go all in, which the Cowboys have never done or haven't done in a long, long time. I think Dak Prescott can be the guy. But you have to Rams this thing. You do. You have to make the future bleak to make the present exciting. The Rams did it twice and went to the Super Bowl twice. Now, do I trust Stephen Jones to not be frugal? Do I trust Jerry to make the right kind of splashes? No. But that's what they have to do. They have to. The Cowboys are not a piece away. They just aren't. But they might be five pieces away if the right pieces came in. If you could go buy Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harris Jr. 
and Jalen Ramsey and Indomitian Sue and all of these pieces that the Rams went and got over the, the course of their two Super Bowl runs and go buy a couple of wide receivers and go get an OBJ type. I'm not saying OBJ now, but the OBJ of three years ago, whatever it was last year. And you go all in on the season and kind of say, who cares about 2025? Let's win in 23 and 24. You might be able to get something cooking, but if you just go how you're going, you're going to be what you are next year and the year after. You're going to have to make some crazy moves this offseason, and it starts, and I can't believe I'm saying this, by extending Zeke Elliott to make that contract more manageable. He's old. Yeah. But in the NFL, it's easier to extend and shift than it is to cut and eat dead money, especially if you're trying to make 10 moves this offseason that are going to make people scratch their heads until they see the final picture and say, oh, okay, they're going all in. And if you could give Dak Prescott away and trade for Aaron Rodgers for a year, Okay, but the Packers have said they're not even going to talk to people in the NFC, so I think that ship has sailed. But yes, Aaron Rodgers today is better than Dak Prescott today. All right, we'll take the first break here. When we come back, uh, Kellen Moore to the Panthers, we're going to make it happen. We are go- I'm going to tell you everything that's great about Kellen Moore and be very dishonest. We'll do it when we come back. It's Rob Bro Show, Talk 103.9 News, Money, Sports. Rob Bro Show Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. The Dallas Cowboys offense has been a top five offense for the last couple of seasons. And the playoff blunders in both instances were not Kellen Moore's fault. Sure, he called the play. Sure, he designed the play. Sure, he allowed the play to happen. But ultimately, that's Mike McCarthy's fault. And Kellen Moore is a bright, young offensive mind that absolutely should get a chance to be a head coach in the NFL. Am I saying this just to get him out of Dallas? No. Certainly not. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't sell myself to just publicly endorse an offensive coordinator that I can't stand, who uh, continues to give up empty yards and empty touchdowns just for the betterment of himself. Uh, I would certainly not do that. I think Kellen Moore is a bright young offensive mind. Uh, Kellen Moore and I are the same age. No way I'm jealous of the success he's had. He's a, a former NFL backup. He understands the role. A longtime Jason Garrett protege. 
He can go be Jason Garrett for somewhere else. And if you think that Jason Garrett was a bad NFL head coach and not just a painfully average one, I've got another story for you. I certainly think that Kellen Moore can be Jason Garrett, and in the right situation, he will be very successful. Is Carolina the right situation? I don't know, but I think we need to give him a chance. You'll never know unless he has the chance. And if you want to build a young quarterback, if you want to uh, build up into something that can be usable as a resume builder, I think you got to get your first job to have a next job. And Kellen Moore, with the stats he's put down for the Texas-led uh, Dallas Cowboys, let's do it. Uh, let's give him an opportunity. And if that's Denver with Russell Wilson, if that's Carolina, if it's another place, he deserves a head coaching role. Uh, this off the text line, dear bro, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you, and I'm glad you're fine. Uh, is Jerry Jr., Stephen Charlotte, or Spalding controlling the Dallas Cowboys social media? They posted this, quote, Dak Prescott gave the ball away twice in the narrow loss to the 49ers in a matchup the Cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't, again, generate self-inflicted wounds. End quote. How can Dak stay there? First of all, uh, the Dallas Cowboys Twitter account is is not run by the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys Twitter account is, and credit to Jerry Jones, is an independent journalistic body. The DallasCowboys.com is not a PR machine. Now, they write a lot of positive stuff, but to their credit, the Dallas Cowboys have kind of been a pioneer in team coverage. You know, they have uh, 105.3, the fan, they're in Dallas, and, and they're the flagship. And Jerry goes on every week, and Steven goes on every week, but those guys generally ask some honest questions. And as far as DallasCowboys.com goes, they have podcasts where the authors are very honest. Uh, they have a new writer, I think, this season, who I used to have on this show all the time, uh, Patrick Walker, no C, who is a very honest writer. And that team's social media is not just a PR machine. Now, there are some PR aspects like other team social medias, but it's not team run as much as it is that arm of the Dallas Cowboys run. Does that make sense? So when they put that quote from the article on DallasCowboys.com, it's just some journalist that works for the team. But I think to the Dallas Cowboys credit, they don't just write, the Dallas Cowboys are great. The Dallas Cowboys are good. The Dallas Cowboys did this well. Like Brad Sham and Babe Loffenberg were doing as the Dallas Cowboys radio team after they lost to the 49ers. Now those are two team employees. And while Jerry probably signs the checks for those Cowboys writers, 
they're still journalists and they still write what they see. And, and I, I actually respect a lot of those guys that write for DallasCowboys.com. Their bylines are there, but they write like independent writers. And you've seen a lot of success from DallasCowboys.com to go on and do bigger and better or different things in the industry. So I just, I don't see. I don't see how that's a, a negative uh, reflecting on the Dallas Cowboys. And if Dak is mad about that, don't throw two terrible interceptions. But again, that team account is is different than most teams' accounts to where they're just sharing content from the website. And if that's the content being produced, that's what they share. And it's just a quote from the article. They didn't put anything extra spicy and I saw a lot of people complaining about that, but like if you don't know, if you don't read DallasCowboys.com a lot, if you don't read those writers all through the season, I guess it would be a surprise. But again, Dak Prescott's under contract. It's not like they're tanking his uh, offers. They're not going to trade him. And if a team is just reading Dallas Cowboys tweets and that takes the, the trade value, then GMs are worse than I thought. Ah, oh, we were going to trade for Dak, but the Twitter account said he threw two interceptions? What is this I'm reading about Dak Prescott throwing interceptions? What? Like, John Lynch isn't getting his NFL news from DallasCowboys.com. He's watching film. So, I... I didn't have a problem with it, and I actually really respect that the Cowboys tweeted that. I mean, at some point, even the PR... Like, that guy didn't get fired for writing it. I don't think. He might have. Some intern, maybe, that tweeted that select pull quote from the the article, maybe. But as far as I know, everybody's still employed involved with that tweet. All right, let's take another break. When we come back, Texas Tech basketball, Fardaw's AMAX, some Mark Adams quotes, and more. It's a Rob Bro Show, Talk 103.9 News, Money Sports. Rob Rocha, Talk 103.9 News, Money Sports. Daniel Bacho's family's in town. Hadn't seen him in three years. Good story. Great story. Uh, the photo of him and his mom and siblings there on the couch was a great sighting. Good for them. Uh, you love to see stories like that in college athletics. Uh, where national, you know, international players come to to a place like Texas Tech, uh, we saw it a few years ago with Brandon Francis and his mom surprised him before the game and shoot around. Uh, just really, really cool stories. Uh, we also have some news around college football. 
Uh, Tennessee has extended Josh Heupel to be a top 10 paid coach in the entire country, not just the SEC. $9 million a year for Josh Heupel at Tennessee. Uh, I guess it's, uh, it's, it's good living there in the SEC. And for all the people that say, well, you get better talent with money and you can buy new, no, all, all the SEC does, all the Big Ten will do is just pay head coaches more. And if you want to live in a world where you can just pay head coaches more and that's good because you have money, then fine. Go cheer for the SEC. But at a certain point, you are what you are on the field. And Tennessee is what they were on the field this year. Very good until their starting quarterback got hurt, and then they ran into some struggles late in the year because it's the SEC. Except for when they got to play like Northwestern Tennessee State University College in Week 12, or whatever it was. More football news. The Oklahoma State Cowboys are... Uh, they've made a hire. They made a defensive coordinator hire. And a college football writer from The Athletic tweeted, It's impressive when Oklahoma State makes a hire, and even I don't know the name of the guy. I did not recognize the name. Uh, he's from Gannon University. I didn't even recognize Gannon University. It's for the D2 school. In the Pennsylvania State University system or something. The the, the Pennsylvania College Athletics Conference. Uh, there are a lot of positive coaching world responses to the hire. But he's got 10 years of coaching experience and he's not past the D2 level. Now, Kleiman was a national championship coach, head coach, at an FCS school and translated really, really well to Kansas State. And in 2013, Gundy went and plucked some plucky D2 defensive coordinator, and it turned out all right for him then. Does it happen again? And Oklahoma State fans are hating the hire because it's not a sexy pick. It's not Jim Knowles. It's not even Derek Mason. It's some guy from Gannon University who, before he was in the Pennsylvania College Conference or whatever it is, he was at some D2 school in Kansas for seven years. I don't think he has head coaching experience. He's just been a defensive coordinator. And to me, I guess the red flags are you couldn't find anyone else? Nobody else wants to come to Stillwater? Oklahoma State fans are still furious that Spencer Sanders left, not because he left, but because he left just because the offensive coordinator was still there. Yet a bunch of wide receivers leave just because the offensive coordinator was still there. And guess what? The offensive coordinator is still there. There's been no changes. There's been no staff changes on that side. And then you go hire this guy and there's a lot of turnover. And I just, I don't see, I don't see a lot of positives there at Oklahoma State right now.
I mean, you have a guy who's been there for 20 years, has one Big 12 title. It was a sham of a Big 12 title because he didn't even play in a conference championship game. It was in the in-between, the upside-down, where you were just trying to say, well, we have one true champion. It, it it can't be great for Oklahoma State right now. Their fans are reacting, I want to say accordingly, but they are over the top right now. I mean, this is a team a year removed from playing in a Big 12 championship game and being a yard away for four straight plays from winning a Big 12 championship, getting beat by Baylor, and then in their down year, did they finish seven and five or eight and four? Whatever it was, but that was like down, down. Tough. Tough. And they're trying to talk trash on Twitter to Texas Tech fans, and it's like, oh, well, we beat you. Yeah. Congratulations. We'll see what happens in the next five years, except Texas Tech likely not playing Oklahoma State this season. We'll see. By the way, I don't know that we'll ever get a Big 12 uh, schedule. We might just show up next year and go week by week. We'll see. Again, Texas Tech already selling season tickets with no schedule, which is wild to me. Uh, But it is what it is until a schedule comes out. Uh, some more news. Carlos Silva of the Avalanche Journal confirming that Daniel Bacho's cat has been found as well. So not only is his cat back, his family's in town. Uh, hammer the player props for Daniel Bacho against West Virginia. Uh, and then also, uh, I was texted a quote from the Mark Adams presser. Uh, it wasn't even really a quote. It was just uh, a comment Adams on AMAC, he's frustrated, but still 60%. Uh, He should be full strength in a couple of weeks, end quote. Uh, And then uh, David Collier saying he's got bruising on his feet. Not sure how much you play against West Virginia. So you might be down AMAC against West Virginia. It might be one of those he gives it the old college tries. But the last time he was just going to go play five minutes, he ended up playing 30 against Texas. So if AMAC can't go, he shouldn't go. Uh, and you should rely on Robert Jennings and maybe some small lineups, O'Banner at the five and a bunch of guards out there. You might see uh, Elijah Fisher some more if AMAC can't play and somebody else gets in foul trouble. Uh, but again, I've said you're 0-7 not playing Elijah Fisher and Robert Jennings much. What's the problem with going 0-14 and and playing those guys 20 minutes a game? Logically, that makes sense to me. I don't know if it makes sense to anyone else because I'm also not sitting here and saying, well, if you just keep playing the guys you're playing, you're going to go 7-7. Or or 4-10, whatever the math is. Oh, man. Uh, The Lady Raiders also playing this week. A big one, though, on Saturday against Baylor. 
It'll be the 30-year anniversary of the national championship game, but it's going to be a, a celebration of the decades, is what Coach Gerlich said on her last uh, coach's show. I guess it was the last, last coach's show, the end of last week, but it's going to be a celebration of the decades. There's going to be a lot of Lady Raiders back. Uh, and that game is on Saturday against Baylor, uh, who has been the kind of the Kansas of women's basketball in the Big 12, winning a bunch of Big 12 championships in the last decade. So that that is going to be a premier high-level matchup for the Lady Raiders against Baylor. All right, let's take another break. When we come back, the final segment of the show it's Rob Bro Show Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. Welcome back. It's Rob Rocho Show Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. <laughs> um, some interesting conversations going on about Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow uh, and legacy talk and everything else. If Joe Burrow beats Patrick Mahomes twice in a row to go to the AFC Championship game, or in the AFC Championship game, to go to the Super Bowl, why can't we have the conversation that Burrow has passed Mahomes? Now, if he wins the Super Bowl, I think it's more of a conversation. But... I think it's year to year. Now, Mahomes has been the MVP this year. And you could argue that Jamar Chase is a better weapon than what Patrick Mahomes has worked with this year. And you're probably right. But Burrow won a national championship in college and was part of the greatest offense of all time at the collegiate level with ridiculous weapons, but still just dominated everybody and he completely transformed a franchise when he got to the NFL Mahomes is really good and arguably the best quarterback in the NFL but why 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 are we saying that Joe Burrow's not even close I mean he's close and Mahomes will always be a few years ahead of him but what Joe Burrow has done <laughs> in a short time in the NFL, getting to the Super Bowl in his second season, just like Patrick, Joe was thrown out to the Wolves in the first year and got hurt, if I remember correctly. I, I mean, I think it's fair to say that Joe Burrow, if he beats Patrick Holmes in the second straight AFC Championship game, that he's at least caught up. And if you want to rest on your laurels that Patrick Mahomes is just the best and will be the best and doesn't need to get back to the Super Bowl to prove that, what are you doing? That's how sports debates work. Yes, this is a huge legacy game for Patrick Mahomes. 
It is a huge legacy game for Joe Burrow. And if Joe Burrow beats him again, hey, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And if Joe Burrow's in the Super Bowl for two straight times as a representative from the AFC, guess who's the best quarterback going into next season in the AFC? It's Joe Burrow. It's Joe Cool. And I guess that's heresy to say in Lubbock, Texas, Patrick Mahomes is still my favorite quarterback, guys, but I can recognize greatness. And I don't think it cheapens Mahomes' legacy. Mahomes is going to win the MVP. And he damn near broke his ankle, and he's going to be on one foot. But it's still the results that matter, yes? And if the conversation is, well, if Joe Burrow beats Mahomes, yeah. Now, Burrow also has to win the Super Bowl. I think Burrow has to do more to pass Patrick Mahomes than just beat Patrick Mahomes. Because Mahomes got to five straight, has won one Super Bowl, has been to two Super Bowls, lost to Brady in overtime, lost to Burrow in overtime, and is in his fifth straight this season after two Super Bowl appearances back-to-back, has a Super Bowl MVP, has the Mahomes magic factor, like it's not it's not an open and shut case that Mahomes is just done if he loses. But if it's a two-horse race and and Burrow is two lengths behind, three lengths behind, if he beats Mahomes and wins the Super Bowl, he's at least neck and neck. Or getting close. I mean, they're both thoroughbreds to continue the analogy. You can't be afraid to talk legacy, and if we're going to do it, we have to do it appropriately and and right. And if Burrow beats Mahomes twice in a row in the playoffs, that conversation can be had. Now, let's see if it happens. And I'm not saying there's cracks in Mahomes' armor, but he would have been dealt a couple of blows. Can he do it on one leg? I don't know. The Bengals are a favorite in Arrowhead. Uh, This off the text line, uh, did Bacho's family take his cat to have reason to come see him? No, I don't think so. They would have had to hire somebody in uh, Texas unless they were here uh, sneaking around stealing cats. Uh, They could have just come and seen him at that point. Uh, But I think uh, Athena, Bacho's cat, was found uh, weeks ago, and it just wasn't as widely reported as when it was missing. I believe somebody found the cat on Facebook. And uh, those Facebook uh, pet finders are incredible things. I'm always amazed by the resources these pet finders have. Uh, People really care about pets. Which I'm not not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying people really care about other people's pets. (laughs) I, I, I care about my pets, but... People out there, you know, doing investigative work on uh, chips and and collars and everything else, which is great. It's great that uh, people are out there working so hard to find other people's pets. But Bacho's cat was found, and I'm I'm very happy for him. 
I'm sure it was a great consolation when he was sick as a dog and uh, hurt his finger. By the way, Bacho flashing against Kansas State. He has to have a game against West Virginia. If you talk about this season and you want to say who matters more down the stretch, who allows you to have a better finish to Big 12 play, a great AMAC or a great Bacho? Well, we've seen a great Bacho here already. Let's just see that again. To me, AMAC is still an unknown. We know what Bacho is when he's great, and that's 20 and 10 and getting to the rack. And, and please, good Lord in heaven, if Bacho is streaking after a pick and roll, lob it to the man. If I see five more missed pick and rolls with Daniel Bacho screaming to the lane with nobody in sight, and we do the the ring around the rosy around the perimeter instead of lobbing it up to the big man, I'm going to go insane. All right, we'll see you tomorrow on the Raiderland, 11 a.m. I've been Rob Bro. I'll be Rob Bro tomorrow. We'll see you then. The views and opinions expressed by the participants on this Talk 1340 program are not necessarily the views of Talk 1340, its advertisers, staff, management, or Town Square Media.